0: everyone and welcome to another episode of the brown's note podcast this is ryan burns coming to you from dog pound west in orange county california you can find me on twitter at ftbl sickness you can find the show at the brown's note our friend brendan leister will be along shortly he's got observations from the past several days he's been out at training camp so he's got some observations on scheme he's got some insights on Personnel development, he's got some things you're going to want to hear. He's got some things you probably don't want to hear, including a text I got just a few moments ago about uh, the kicking battle, which apparently has not been the most crowd-pleasing section of training camp thus far. But I'll save some of the nuggets for Brendan to disclose to you. Uh, we had a good time chatting about it last night, and frankly, it just leaves me more excited to see some of this team come together. Uh, in preseason games and then rolling into the season as a new Browns season ticket holder. I'm looking forward to meeting an occasional one or two of you out there. Hopefully we'll have time for some celebratory, I said celebratory, beverages, but that's the future. Let's deal with the here and now, training camp time. Things I'm excited to see and to hear about and the things I wanted to talk to Brendan about. I mean, you can imagine what some of them are, of course. The quarterback, the new fancy wide receiver, the development of the face-eating defense that we have longed to see on this podcast for quite some time. You know, there, there are, the, the list of things I'm excited to see because I have some idea that it's gonna go well is intensely long now, given from whence we've come. Hard to believe at this time last year. Think about what we were coming off this time last year. We were 1-31, and now we're talking about Super Bowls. What a difference a year makes. Quite a good time. But that's all in the future. Right now, what we have to deal with, of course, is training camp. Our buddy Brendan Leister's been out there. Let's bring him on now. All right, we are gonna welcome in my good friend, your good friend, from the heart of Ohio, the freshly inked Mr. Brendan Leister, who you can find at Brendan Leister on your Twitter machine. He's all over the internet these days. Uh, I'll let him pimp all the different things he's doing because I can't keep track of them. Um, As you know, we're barely holding a podcast together with two hands and a flashlight at this juncture. So just be (laughs) glad we're on air again. What's up, dude? How you doing?
1: Not much, man. Doing great. Um, I just saw that the Indians traded Trevor Bauer for some outfield help. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they're a little more fun now. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited about that right now. I'm going back to camp tomorrow, so. Yeah, things are pretty good here. Football's ramping up, um, with my high school coaching as well. How are you doing? I'm worn out. I've been traveling and having too much fun. I went to Vegas with my firm. We
0: took the whole group out and did, a, you know, did our annual firm retreat. And we we try and make it fun and special for everybody. And suffice it to say, it was this time. There will be no details. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and all that. And then uh, did um, I actually was in Yosemite for a week in June. I think we probably spoke not too far before that, but who knows? Feels like it's been forever since we did any kind of podcasting. And uh, then uh, just played a three-day golf tournament with my dad, in which we got utterly shellacked at his country club member guest, um, but had an absolute blast. You know, So it's been a good summer. My son's playing all kinds of sports, and most of it over at UCI. We were, I was picking him up last week in the L.A. Rams camp, was going up, you know, literally next to the, to the UCI baseball field, and uh, so it was, it was a good reminder that we are indeed nearing the football season, and I'm uh, pretty pumped about this one. I don't know about you or anybody else over in the general Cleveland region, but I, for one, am looking forward to the 2019 Cleveland Brown season. You mentioned it, most germane to this podcast, of all the things any of us are doing you've been to camp a bunch already this first week. And so I figured you could just regale us with tales of things you've seen. What stood out, who stood out and what are we going to see this year?
1: Yeah. So I went uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and um, some things that stood out. Uh, Najoku's looked like a red zone machine to me. I know that uh, Kitchens was, I guess, critical of him just saying that he needs to take the next steps forward as an all around tight end and all that stuff. And, putting everything together, but it's kind of hard to get a feel for the, the trench work. I would say whenever you just go to camp and, you know, you don't have a rewind button or anything, you're just watching things live. So it's kind of hard to get a feel for the blocking and all that, but he scored a a lot of touchdowns down in the red zone when they were doing red zone work. I think he probably scored four or five between the three days uh, whenever they were down in that area of the field. So Definitely, I expect big things from him, especially down there. Can Um, I ask
0: you something about that?
1: that, I'm always interested about that from your perspective because I never have any
0: concept as a total neophyte how to gauge success in a camp practice or what it means when you're playing against your own teammates on defense in practice. So, for example, when Njoku's making plays in the red zone, is that a product of... A, the offensive team's growth and Njoku's improvement and all that? Is it a product of suddenly the defense has to at least play it honestly? And this is the part I don't know anything about. Does the defense have to play it honestly such that they're just paying so much attention to other guys that Njoku's getting a lot of the work? How do you how do you I I'm probably asking questions you just can't possibly have an answer to, but how do you, as what I would call an educated football fan, how do you
1: gauge that as you're sitting there? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the play. But, like, for example, one of them, uh, actually more than one, a couple of them, like he runs up the seam and a linebacker doesn't get hands on him at the line of scrimmage to disrupt the route and it's too high. So if if his route isn't um, disrupted at the line of scrimmage, if someone doesn't get hands on him and he can just run free up the seam, it's pretty easy for Mayfield to see that and just throw it high to the back of the end zone and let him go up and get it um, in that void. So, you know, that's an example of you know, a, a breakdown, a fundamental breakdown where a player didn't do their job. And I would say that happened a few times. There was another time where, um, you know, he ran a corner route and I think it was matched up man to man. And it's tough to cover a guy like that man to man. And so, you know, he ran a good route, got to the back to the corner of the end zone, Mayfield put it high again. Um, you should always, as a quarterback, you always want to put it high to the back of the end zone, low to the front of the end zone. Those are, um, like a couple kind of golden rules of quarterback play. Um, because obviously if you put it high near the front of the end zone, if it gets tipped up in the air, there's a lot of guys that could intercept it potentially in the end zone. Um, and then throwing it high to the back of the end zone because you want either your guy to catch it or nobody to catch it. Um, So those are just a couple things that kind of stood out. But yeah. Uh, it's definitely a play-by-play thing, um, and I agree that it is hard sometimes to tell: is the offensive player doing well, or is the defensive player failing at their job, or you know what is the issue exactly? That's kind of what can be the issue a lot of times, I think, when when judging camp practices, and that's why I I continually say, let's see when the games start, because then you're going to see them against other NFL players, and and then it's a lot easier to judge on game day.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the stuff you see is out of context anyway, because it'll be one-on-one where that wouldn't be the situation in a real game and whatnot. So aside from that, any other sort of schematic or personnel standouts? I mean, I've you, know, you see a few names out there, and I'm always sort of, as you alluded to there, I'm leery of reports, we'll call them, from camp, uh, often because I'm rarely convinced that the person reporting knows precisely what they're looking at. Um, but more often because of the contextual stuff like we're talking about. It's just difficult to know everything, and the coaches are doing things for a reason that may or may not have anything to do with what you're taking from the play. And so generally speaking, are there guys popping? Is there, is there anything that kind of sunk back when the pads go on? What do you notice? I definitely at some juncture want to do a little drill down on what you might have gleaned about scheme because I think on both sides of the ball that's a fascinating aspect of, of heading into the season, so... Just keep uh, keep telling us what you saw.
1: Yeah, I thought that uh, Richard Higgins, I think that he really stood out. Just, you know, the energy he was bringing to, like, individual drills and, you know, trying to get better. You can just tell when a guy is, you know, coming to practice with a purpose and ready to get better and enthusiastic about being there or someone that's going through the motions. And to me, as a coach, that matters to, you know, someone that's just, you know, casual fan. Maybe they don't notice or care, but to me, that stuff stands out. And he seems like someone that's, you know, ready for the season and, you know, enthusiastic. And he's starting it as the Z receiver, it looks like. And I think he's primed to have a really good season. Um, he's in a contract year, so I'm sure that he's really motivated. And I'd love to see the Browns, you know, lock him up long term. But I think that we're going to see him continue to build on that success from last year and be a key part of the offense, be a really consistent, you know, factor in the offense. that gets a lot of targets and a lot of production with Mayfield. Um let's say on the defensive side of the ball, um, I thought, you know, something that some people have been kind of surprised about is like TJ Carey. He's um, whenever the Browns have two corners on the field, it's him and Ward that are working together out there. You know, some people thought it would be Mitchell after OTAs. People thought it would be greedy Williams, but more so it's been carry when they have two corners out there. And then when they have three in their nickel package, he slides inside to cover the slot. And then, it's either Greedy or Terrence Mitchell. Those guys are definitely competing for that third corner spot. But I don't see any reason to think that Kerry's going to give up that job. Um, he's looked solid. You know, I mean, we'll see in preseason. You never know uh, how the games will actually go. But just based on the few days that I've been at camp so far, and then, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow when I'm there also. But I think that he's looked pretty solid. Uh, he created at least one turnover so far when I was there. And it was a really nice play where he came off a deep crossing route uh, went all the way back to the middle of the field to replace the safety that was jumping the crossing route. And then he got over the top of the post by OBJ Mayfield led OBJ a little too far because he didn't expect Carey to do that. And uh carry made a nice play on the ball and intercepted it. So um, yeah, those are a couple guys that stood out. Um, I think also Dontrell Hilliard really, really stood out. I mean, he's a mismatch in the past game out of the backfield and he runs with more power than, then you expect just based on what we saw from him last year. I mean, really, we only really got to see him run the ball on kickoff return last season, which I thought he actually stood out as the season went on. He was kind of taking the work from Peppers as the season went on and did a lot better in that role than Peppers did, in my opinion. And uh, we saw him catch a few passes, but I think that he's ready to take steps forward and I like him I mean if if they trade Duke or if Duke's out for a long period of time, whatever happens if, if he's not on the roster I think I think Hilliard's ready to be that second back um, behind Chubb until Hunt comes back and I really like Ernestest Johnson too he's an, um I believe he's a rookie he I think he played in the Alliance of,
0: this all begs the question do we think Duke is really hurt?
1: That's a good question. I I have no idea. I don't think he'll be on the roster personally, whether it's trade, whatever it is. I don't, I know some people that, you know, have sources and all that. They think he gets traded in the middle of the season, but I just don't, I don't buy it. Um, But yeah, Ernest Johnson, he's another running back that I think he looked good in pads as well. Um, Just running with power burst between the tackles. I think he might have led the Alliance of American Football in rushing yards maybe during that season, um, if I remember right. So, yeah, he was definitely one of the top rushers in that league, and he stood out too. Um, So I'm really excited to see those two guys in the preseason. Nice. That'll be fun. Well,
0: so so I was keeping track here, and I'm impressed with both of us to say that we made it all the way to the 15-minute mark before we uttered the phrase, letters, or name OBJ. <laughs> but you did it. And so let's let I gotta ask you. Um initial impressions, obviously he's a freak, but tell me, you know, I know you will always be looking at stuff closely and I don't know how you how close the fans get to get to each, you know, each section of the practice or whatever. So whatever you could glean, tell us that, but also kind of give us some sense of what that energy is like, even at practice, because you everybody that's there reporting on it is talking about their the there's There's been buzz for a while with the Browns because they've had these rookies. They've had tons of people at camp the past couple of years. And and frankly, Hugh Jackson and Hard Knocks, all that was part of it. Something feels a little different this time. Am I right?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of energy. People are so amped about, you know, OBJ and and also Mayfield, for sure, just having the quarterback finally. And people are confident about that. So... Yeah, with OBJ, um I was making a point to watch the wide receiver like individual drills and stuff. That's kind of where I picked up on the stuff, you know, talking about Higgins and all that. Um watching OBJ, it's just he's just such a natural, but but he definitely, you know, he's working hard at it as he goes out there, you know, just grinding through it like like anybody should trying to get better, taking it seriously, having energy. Um you know, he's not always at the front of the lines necessarily, like some of the young guys try to like step up and do that, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't matter much. It's just, yeah. But I think it's fun watching him and Landry because those guys are both pros, you know, and the way that they go about it is just very workmanlike. And you can just tell that they're there to get better. And you can see, um, you know, other guys watching the way that they do things and trying to like emulate them. I think especially like Higgins, like just certain drills that they were doing, he would go through it. And he, there's this one drill they were doing where the coach throws the ball straight to them. And Higgins is always trying to catch the ball one handed. Every single time he goes through it and catches it one handed OBJ and Landry, they'll like, sometimes they'll just like tap it back to the coach or they'll catch it and then throw it back really quick on a jump. You know, um, they don't, it's like, they don't need to work on their, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like so easy for them that it's not as serious. Whereas you see the undrafted free agent guys and they're like looking it in and tucking it away and all that stuff. They're not going to get cut for
0: dropping a ball in drills.
1: (laughs) Right. And, and the other guys don't drop it anyway. the guys we're talking about, but yeah, it's just, uh, just things just look easy And, and you watch him run routes. And there was a play where he caught a hitch and then like, you know, he spun inside and burst it up the field and gained like an extra 15 yards. And this was like no contact or anything. So all he had to do was just get tapped for them to down the ball. And he didn't get touched for like, it was like 15 yards after he caught the ball. And he's just running through the defense. I'm and so excited. Finally, so someone excited. got him. But yeah, he's just so explosive after the catch. And the timing that, you know, Mayfield throws the ball on the accurate, is just going to put him in positions to do so much damage and I really think it's going to open up Landry too because like Landry was catching the ball down the field on like seams and digs and out routes and a lot of fans I think based on last year think of him more as just you know only catching the short passes and getting the yards after the catch but I think it's going to open him up he's finally going to be able to be a complimentary receiver which is something he's never been able to do even in Miami no, Landry's always been counted on as like a number one guy, yeah, and it's too much it's too much i've I've always been with you on this. I think it's it, not him
0: it's not him he's a he he's gonna his value will be more evident this year, i think, but part of it for me is you you really i understand that certain things are just replaceable, and I get all the numbers, but there is a hell of a lot to be said in my mind, and I know that some coaches feel the same. I'm not a coach by the way, but people feel the same about. And this this to me is more of a, a management feeling, right? It's how I feel about things. Knowing that that dude is going to be exactly where he is supposed to be every single play all the time and that he is going to help other people be exactly where they're supposed to be every play all the time is a huge plus, especially in a game where we're counting on really young guys to pick up really complicated offenses a guy like Callaway is going to have mistakes that's how this works nobody seemed to understand how good Richard Higgins was until right about now guy's been pretty good for a while mhm and so i i just i think that to me is a huge piece of the value in Landry and if you can't see the value <laughs> in what he means to Beckham, then in my opinion, you're just not watching them interact. He is Beckham's brother. And mm-hmm. I I would go so far as to venture to say, Jarvis is the older brother, okay? That's what this relationship is. And if that matters to OBJ, it matters to me because I am looking for touchdowns, baby. <laughs> and I, am, I, I was watching that clip. Uh, gosh, I forget who put it out, but there was a clip of five plays that, sort of represented, was it Jake that did this, uh, that did the five plays that represented kind of how badly Eli Manning had missed mm-hmm. OBJ? Yeah, yeah it was that. Jake Burns that did it. Um, and, and, you know, I'd seen all those plays in another highlight reel before, but it was, you know, it's just, every time you watch that stuff it brings it into such stark relief why people in our position are super optimistic and excited to watch the Mayfield-OBJ connection, because like you said, it's going to open up things for everybody else. Landry's going to just eat up guys that shouldn't be covering him. Njoku's going to be wide open half the time. And then let's talk about if you get a third receiver in the, in the mix. Uh, I mean, it's going to be pretty exciting well, stuff to me. Well, Higgins
1: is going to always be in the right spot, right? That's another guy. He's always going to be in the right spot. And he's got that
0: weird mind meld with Baker. And so I, the group is fun to watch. Um, what, what do you – you've had a few observations about Callaway. Tell people what you saw because that's, that's been sort of a topic on the, yeah. you know, the Browns Twitter because peop, I think a lot of people, based on any number of factors, expected him to sort of jump up into the rotation and make a leap. I, number one, I know it's a myth or whatever, but people used to talk a lot about the third year, not the second year. So I, for a guy who didn't play a ton of football in college, I feel like we're maybe rushing it still. And, oh, yeah. and in my opinion, what I think you're going to tell us leads me to believe, cool. This guy can go out and run nine routes or slants and hitches and catch a ball and get lost with it. That's his job is to run away from people. But yep. from a development standpoint, I know you see more, so tell me what it is.
1: Yeah, so we, I was just talking about, like, individual and just enthusiasm the guys bring to practice and stuff. And I, I just don't see the same type of juice from him that I see from, like, Higgins and even, like, Willies and, and some of those other guys. Um, I'm not saying that he's not – you know, dedicated to his craft and stuff like that. But it's just it's just different. It's um a different level of focus, I would say, and um different level of refinement too than like Higgins and OBJ and Landry when they're going through their routes. And even Blake Jackson, who actually I think he might have a chance to win the sixth receiver spot, might make the roster as a sixth receiver, but um, he was on the practice squad last year, I believe, but he does a lot of off work with Landry. I mean, those guys are like inseparable based on, you know, his Instagram account. They're just together all the time. And, uh, Brendan, are you stalking and, Instagram accounts of practice squad players? No, I just follow a lot of, you the got Browns a lot
0: guys. of spare time, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, you just watch certain guys go through those drills and they're a lot more refined, And there's a lot more attention to just with working on like break points and in the footwork and, um, you know, getting your shoulders out over your toes as you go through different types of breaks and stuff like that. And and you just notice Callaway is not as refined. He's not as uh, I would say his his feet aren't as quick. That's not to say he's not as fast because he's probably the fastest guy in the group. It's between him and OBJ, probably. I mean, it definitely is. But but fast versus quick footwork and good fundamentals. Those are two completely different things and he's just not as refined. And, and you see guys go through individual drills and there was very, very few drops when, when the coaches are throwing to the receivers or when the quarterbacks come down and start working with the receivers, there's very few drops. And, and Callaway, he definitely dropped the most balls of the group that were, you know, accurate passes where the ball's supposed to, you know, he comes out of his break on a curl route, the ball's right right at his chest, and he drops it. They're working in the red zone. It's just on air. You know, the quarterback's throwing the ball to the receiver, and he just drops the post route as he's going into the end zone. Just little focus things where he just kind of loses focus, and the other guys aren't doing that. And when you see the receivers all young doing dude, the right? same thing. He's a young yeah, dude, and, you and see, this, is, this right. is
0: part of what they bought, right? This is why yeah. he's a fourth-round pick with exactly. first-round talent. And that's so right. this, is, this was the gamble all along. And so mm-hmm. it's a matter of can your coaching staff and your veteran leadership bring him up to speed? And right. I think I th- what you're telling me, if, if that's the gamble I made, it wouldn't worry me at all. So if I'm John Dorsey, I'm going, cool, he can go out there and run nine routes this year, and he can learn from OBJ and Landry. And yep. he's going to get a football three, four times a game, and we'll see what he can do with it right? I mean,
1: yeah. And he's depth too. I mean, when injuries happen, they'll probably he's have talented depth. He's going to come in and play, you know, and, and I think that he'll do well too. It's just with him. And you also notice in team, they just ask him to run certain routes. That's that's As what I was saying. Be. Like he runs, he runs shallow crosses. He, he runs some speed digs, some speed outs, you know, he's a lot better at like speed breaks where um, you're not making like a hard break where you,
0: Right, the less down, precise. Chop,
1: chop your feet and then have to get out of the break efficiently. He just speed cuts into breaks, and he's a lot better at those. And so those are the types of things they need to ask him to do. Like you said, like goes, posts, slants, speed out just different types of speed cuts and shallow crosses. Because you get the ball in his hands on a sh- shallow cross, that's a guy that he might run a long way. Hundred um, percent. So, yeah, and, and like another thing, you know, he's working with the twos, and so Stanton was his quarterback. And this was a play that stood out to me on Saturday where – so the hot defender blitzes. So Stanton is hot off this guy. It's it's an empty protection. So there's only five guys blocking, and the defense brings six. So when they bring that sixth defender, the ball's got to come out. The receiver needs to see him come. He needs to replace him. Right. It's the and quarterback's
0: job to... and the receiver's job to sync up so that they account yep. for the one guy that the offensive line by math cannot account for.
1: Exactly. And so Stanton knows what he's doing. He's like a coach. He drops back, throws off his back foot into that void. And Callaway is running his dig route on the backside because it's trips. And he's the isolated X receiver. Cause that's what he's playing right Making now. He's mistake. only playing X and he doesn't, See it obviously. So then you see Stanton throws the ball and it just looks like it's thrown away. And Callaway's like, Huh? So then they walk over to each other and Stanton's explaining to him what happened and what went wrong. So the next day I'm watching walkthroughs because I've really been trying to focus on walkthroughs before practice, before I watch the wide receivers go to Indy, you know, because you can see kind of the, the rotations and stuff, the way they're using guys. And with the second offense, instead of Callaway being at X, I noticed that it's Jalen strong this time and it wasn't that way throughout the whole practice, but it was just here and there. Callaway was now with the threes and I'm sitting there thinking, so is it because of that mental error or was it the drops? You know, it's just all these different things that you're kind of piecing together. So what's going on? And, and Jalen strong, I mean, he's not a special player or anything. Like, I don't think that he'll make the team, but, but he's also not making those mistakes. He was also a talented enough guy
0: that you can't just, ignore him. Right.
1: Yeah. But he's just going out there and, you know, doing receiver things. It's not like he's going above and beyond. It's just that he's not making the the mistakes that reliability is important. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that that's probably the Brown's way of like kind of sending a message to him like, Hey, you haven't made it yet. That was just your rookie year. Like you didn't, you had some big time plays, but you're also, you know, there was lots of plays where you dropped the ball or ran the wrong route or You might have ran the right route, but you ran it the wrong way. Um, And and there's some of that, too, you know, with those practices, too. Like I saw a clip yesterday from uh, yesterday's practice where he was running a go route and he let Greedy Williams just completely push him into the sideline, which gives him no chance to get the ball where he needs to be physical, stack the defender and get into a position where he can get the football because then the football's overthrown and it looks like it's the quarterback's fault, but it's actually his fault because he didn't stack the corner. He's so, not a real naturally
0: just, physical receiver to me. He's gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, he is yep. not, he doesn't seem excited about the idea of contact. Um, yeah. Whereas Landry loves it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, that's part of it is he's got to, he's got to put on his big boy pants and be an NFL receiver because you don't just get to run free like you do at Florida.
1: And that's just part of the deal is you got to find right. your way to be But I definitely think that Yeah, I definitely think they'll use him though within the offenses here. I mean he'll clearly I think they'll have a role for him. He will rotate in. It won't like I was before I saw this in camp, you know, I've been saying for a while, I think it's similar to Tampa Bay last year, but they had four really good receivers and Deshaun Jackson was actually their fourth guy. He played the fourth most snaps, had the fourth most targets, but but he had sure made a lot of them. But he had a big-time impact as a deep threat in that offense, and he played for Todd Munkin. And, you know, Munkin's now the OC in Cleveland, and this is a similar wide receiver group in my opinion. So I think Callaway has a chance as that fourth receiver to have that same type of impact as the deep threat in this offense. But I think seeing this stuff, maybe – I need to bring my expectations down a little bit, but we'll see. I mean, when the games start, you know, he'll probably be in better shape by then too, which is something else I've just been wondering about. All these guys have got to get in game shape between now and the season. So yeah,
0: and that's, that's um, how that goes. Right. I mean, it's the first week of yep. camp. There's going to be a couple of great days where everybody feels good in this. Like, Oh shit, we're in training right. camp.
1: Yeah. Also it's early. I mean, he might be, you Don't know, we? fix those mental, fix those mental errors and maybe he'll look great tomorrow. Like right. you just, you don't know what you're going to get with some of these young guys sometimes. Even, even Mayfield's been up and down. I mean, his accuracy has not been consistently pinpoint. There's been practices where he had some trouble finding OBJ. Let I me mean, tell you every- how
0: worried about that I am. I'm deeply concerned about Baker Mayfield's accuracy. <laughs>
1: I'm, I am not, but I'm just, I'm, <laughs> all I'm saying is that it's, you know, it's a young player that's, sure. he hasn't been pristine all the time. That's all. How dare he! Um,
0: You mentioned Munkin I think now's a good time I want to talk scheme Because this is To me kind of where the rubber meets the road On just how quickly Can this team hit a proverbial stride Right To me At least on offense last year They got better as the season went on And you could see that building And you could see the impact immediately When Kitchens took over It is not beyond me To notice that Kitchens will not be merely calling offensive plays this year. That Todd Monken is now involved, and that will involve – that will. Kitchens is going to call the plays, but what I'm saying is that is not the only thing on his mind anymore. He's the head football coach. Todd Monken is going to be heavily involved in the offense. Baker Mayfield is a year more advanced. Odell Beckham Jr., if he doesn't vastly change your thinking on offense, you're missing the boat. You've added Kareem Hunt in the second half of the season. You've lost Kevin Zeidler. All of these things, to me, require some wait and see how it comes together. And so I'm, I'm curious. And the same, honestly, can be said on defense because, to me, the defense is sort of the opposite story. They ran out of gas last year, to me. That's my estimation. They still were playing fine, but guys were getting hurt. You know, Kirksey was hurt. Schobert got hurt. Defensive line depth was a problem. Miles played eight billion snaps, all that stuff.
1: Ward. Ward was in and out of the lineup. Ward was
0: in and out of the lineup, which begat, in my mind, that had something to do with the attention paid to corner because you can't, you can't just hope he's going to be fine. Guys that get hurt sometimes mm-hmm. become guys that get hurt a lot. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I think there is plenty of reason, obviously, as the head, you know, as the chief of championship caliber obnoxiousness, trademark, etc., I obviously think highly of what's coming. However, I'm also a realist by nature and a pragmatist by nature, and it's obvious to me that it might take a little while for things to really gel and for the team to hit its stride, and it won't surprise me in the least if they hit some bumps, particularly early in the season, right? And so, to me, a lot of that lies in scheme because, and I'm sure you'll be able to expand on this, but because Mm -hmm. the more you're thinking, the less you're playing your best. And Mm -hmm. inevitably at the front end of a massive sea change on an organizational front, there's going to be thinking, right? And so this is all adjustment at the front end. Having said that, I think they've got an awful lot of talent that coaches should be excited to play with. And you've now seen them play with it at least a little bit. What would you notice?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think it'll be a lot of 11 personnel just as their base offense. You know, I think that's going to be their best personnel group. So three wide receivers on the field, the three main ones that we discussed earlier, uh, and then one running back, one tight end. So, you know, Chubb and Najoku, I think that's that's a really good personnel group. I would put that up against most of the top personnel groups around the league, honestly, especially with Mayfield pulling the trigger. All Um, of them. Yeah, a lot. I think...
0: All of them. Name me the personnel group. No, this is an actual fun. I don't mean to break in, but that's a fun exercise. You could yeah. you could talk to me and and convince me that some
1: other group might be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody obviously better. Yeah, I think the Rams are probably probably better with Gurley. Which Woods. one of their
0: receivers do you compare to Orla- or Odell Beckham Jr.?
1: Oh, none of them. I don't compare them to him. But I think it's just Landry's I view that is, offense having... as good as Woods to me. Yeah, I think that offense has two – oh, I don't agree with that at That's all. Fair. Um, That's fair. I think, I think that offense has two number one guys, and then actually I think Cooks is the third best, and I think he's like a – You think Cooks is the third best? I do. All right. Yeah, based on all I've saw of them, you, yes. You, Wood, you've got my Rams Woods and, all mixed Woods, up. Woods and, Woods and Cup are very, very, very – Awfully good. <laughs> Awfully good. Yes, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But I like Mayfield then, better than Goff by a significant measure, so that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, Gurley's pretty good too, but he might be playing on one leg. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 11 personnel is kind of the starting point. Um, you know, they were working on uh, a lot of play action with a lot of, like, deep crossing routes and post routes off that. Um, a lot of pin concepts, which is post – post route outside and then an in route insides that's why you call it pin so you know that's a great quarters beater because if the quarters safety jumps the dig then you can throw it up over the top on the posts that was something they were working a lot on it's really good off play action as well um and then also just just getting guys in space throwing you know four verts as well i mean they're gonna they're gonna push the ball down the field clearly with you know the way that kitchens and Munkin, as well as Mayfield, all three of those guys have aggressive mindsets where they're going to push the ball down the field. Um, so it, it's going to be an aggressive offense. They're going to have a lot of air yards. Um, yeah, even Landry, like I was alluding to earlier, even Landry is going to be used down the field uh, vertically. And Njoku, too. Uh, he had some some catches, you know, 20-plus yard down the field where he was getting the ball in his hands on Y-Cross, which which is similar to... What I was talking about, yeah. So, you know, a post from the opposite side of the field, from the opposite of the tight end, and then he just runs that deep crossing route. And so that's that's another really good uh, quarters beater because if the safety stays back on the post, then he becomes wide open into that void, and it's a good cover three beater as well. Just, um, but yeah, those are a few concepts they've been working on. You notice those? Uh, Is it is it? Am
0: I? This is a pure assumption on my part, just based on immediate putting two and two together type stuff but is you're noticing things that are good or at least one thing here that's a good quarters beater a good cover three beater am i correct in assuming that you're going to see a lot more quarters in cover three than we did say 10 years ago just because of the nature of the passing league
1: yeah yeah i think so it depends week to week some teams are more cover two teams some teams are more man teams i mean when they face the patriots if those guys can't beat man to man, you're going to lose the game because they play just like basically all man to man a lot, they and they and, and they'll double OBJ too. That's that's what they're they're going to double him, and then they're going to put uh, Gilmore is going to be against Higgins or Landry, whoever they think is the second guy. So that'll that'll oh, be I fun like to my, watch.
0: I like my fourth guy, and I like my running game in that game. To be totally mm-hmm. honest, because you're right. He will. They they will take away. Beckham will not catch a slant in that game,
1: right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mostly. I mean, yeah, they're going to bring a guy down late, and you are not going to know who it is, but they're going to bring that second guy down after the snap. Yeah, man, that's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. It will be. That game's going to be really fun. It's on the road too, dude. We are a
0: few short weeks from drinking beers and having a couple of brats before we go into First Energy
1: Stadium together (laughs) as season ticket holders to watch Miles Garrett kill uh, Austin Pastor. How's,
0: oh, is Austin Pastor
1: in Tennessee? Yeah, he's the left tackle, I guess, since, uh, no. since the launch out. That's what someone said, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, Austin. He actually did well in Cleveland. Austin when he is a playing, talented but,
0: player. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel badly for the guy that has to block Miles weekly. I didn't know I he really was still
1: did. in the NFL. I didn't know that he was still well, around. What did,
0: what, did, what did Miles look like out of practice? I mean, he, has he... Noticeably
1: improved. Like I, I don't his even know how his that... body looks better. That's, how how that's is
0: that possible?
1: It, it just does. Like I I saw a clip of from his rookie year the other day. And he looked I just like think
0: Superman jump. when he was a freshman in high school.
1: Yes, but the jump. I just think he's so much more cut up. There's there's just certain things about the way that he moves and the way that he looks that I think. I just think that everything looks. More well put together, and the way that he moves is more efficient, and those things. But he's trying to put up
0: 20 this year, huh?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and he might have a decent chance with the front that they have and the coverage guys that they and have. the people on the back who are
0: apparently game. going to be misfortunate enough to block him, or shall yeah. I say, attempt to block him. Looking at you, yeah. Cincinnati,
1: um, yeah. but yeah, and then offensively, also, um, they also. Did a, a good I think I expect a good amount of twelve personnel too. I mean, they signed Demetrius Harris for a reason. That guy was a really good player for the Chiefs. I think a really underrated tight end. If you just look around the NFL at number two tight ends, I'd put him up against a lot of those guys just as an all-around player. Good blocker. You can I mean that you can isolate him on the backside and just have all your receivers on the other side of the field. You can um you know, you can ask him to block in line, you can ask him to pass protect, you can ask him to, you know, run routes all over the field. He's just he's just a really reliable player with a basketball background. And I think he'll get he'll get his share of uh red zone targets as well and make an impact down there. That's the that Daniel
0: Fells role. Is that do I basically have that right? Yeah. Yeah, so but he's I thought Fells showed Fels. out and
1: Harris is a bet is a much better athlete than Fells, but they have a yeah, similar yeah,
0: background. True. That basketball background is is mm-hmm. something they have
1: in common. Yeah, Fells was kind of aging, so yeah. he couldn't run very well anymore. Where Harris, he gets the ball in his hands, he can, you know, he can move. He can't move like Najoku, but he can move. Um, Jake, I was talking to Jake the other day about this actually, and when you study him in Kansas City's offense, that's actually another guy that just right place at the right time. Just when Mahomes would find him, it would be a lot of times on scramble drills where he he just has a good feel for getting open in those situations. And those basketball and guys understand pick. space. Those yep. basketball
0: guys get space, and they get rubbing off. Like they get positioning, and they just have a feel for how to get open. Because in basketball, right. you got to get open to get your shot. How about on the defensive side of the ball? You know, a lot of people were concerned about um, a number of things, and you can sort of address them in in whatever narrative order you you prefer. But a number of things, like, well, um, we've got these super talented, long, strong rangy corners why are we hiring Steve Wilkes, who seems to have played an awful lot of zone and off man where it didn't look like it fit a guy like say Patrick Peterson all that well in Arizona do we have the personnel to do it on on the linebacker position I think if you can address what you saw out of these guys because the linebackers have been a hot topic right are are is Kirksey gonna stick around is Schobert gonna stick around are these young guys pushing them um, obviously they drafted these two young guys you know Dorsey drafted these two young guys right and and Kirksey and Schobert, whatever anyone might think of them, they're not Dorsey's guys, and they play a relatively fungible position if you're not going to be a superstar. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that the Browns address the position but but i I don't want to short shrift anybody, and I think it would be unwise to simply discard Kirksey or Schobert as merely replaceable. I think they're both better than that. I know Kirksey hasn't always played there. I think Schobert, when healthy, it would be hard to argue he's just simply replaceable. But I'm, like we've been pointing out, not all that well educated. Um, talked about the lineback talk about the linebackers, and then you know the overall scheme there. I'm I'm really curious to know are are they going to be as blitzy? I assume the safeties will not be in Kentucky. Um, what did you, what'd you notice?
1: Uh, yeah. So with the linebackers, I definitely don't think the young guys are pushing the starters at all. Um, those young guys are with the third group. The second group right now is Ray, Ray Armstrong at will. And um a Darius Taylor is at Mike. So there is a big gap between the one, the first group and the second group. And then especially, you know, that third group, um, they're just bringing along those two young linebackers really slowly, which, which is probably for the best for them. So they'll have to make their mark on special teams. Um, But it's honestly, I hate to say this, but I think it's hard to get a feel for linebackers when, when it's not a game situation. I mean, only a couple of the days that I went to, did they have pads on and, you know, they were able to hit each other and there weren't many sessions where there was really a lot of hitting going on, honestly. So, it's hard to get a feel for linebackers when you can't see how they're fitting and tackling and all those types of things and being put in run pass conflict. So, um, you know, it's a wait and see thing. I like Schobert a lot. I'm a big fan. He was the second, second highest graded cover linebacker in the whole NFL this year, last year, if you go by PFF, just behind Bobby Wagner. And yes, very poor at tackling I would say that his athletic ability gets him in positions where he make he misses tackles, but other guys wouldn't even be able to get even close to getting there. And also the D line didn't help him last year with the way that they were gassed all the time. And when he was playing, he was playing
0: half the year last year on a bum leg, right? I I forget whether it was a hamstring or a groin or what it was, but he wasn't right when he was right. Yeah. You could tell when, when Schobert's right. Yeah,
1: he's pretty inarguable to me. He's a really yeah. good player. And I also think that he had to cover for like, we all know Jamie Collins freelanced. Like we know that. So when one guy's freelance, like the guy next to you, you can't trust them to be in the right position that that screws with you. And I just, I'm excited to see Schobert in this defense. I think there's going to be a lot more structure. I feel a lot better about this linebacker coach. Just after listening to him in the press conference and just seeing the way that this coaching staff is teaching and going about their business, I, I, I feel a lot better about it. I hope Kirksey has a bounce back year. Um, I mean, he needs to. Like he, He's been down the past two or three years, actually. He was very, just very poor the past couple of years, especially in last year. Very like one of the worst starting linebackers in the whole NFL, actually, if you go by PFF grade, do I recall correctly? And I
0: might have my regimes mixed up because it's been so ridiculous. But wasn't he one of the Petten guys who was supposed to be a three, four inside backer? And he was. Yeah. And so, look, I don't I don't know. My ass from my elbow when it comes to detail on linebacker roles, but it would seem to me that if you're one of four, your job is extremely different than if you're one of two, which is going to be the case more often than not these days, right?
1: I mean, if you're mm. one of
0: the unless you're assigned to do it's the same, it's a similar,
1: thing. it's a similar role because even Explain. back yeah, then yeah. it was a lot of it was a lot of nickel, and so it's still a four-two. I mean, it was it was a four-two with Patton, you know, it's a lot of nickel, and they've got. Four rushers up front, two linebackers behind him. He was a will then. He's a will now. So his responsibilities
0: um, are effectively similar.
1: Very similar, yeah. yeah. Okay. The only difference is just he would be covering some different zones because you know you're not going to drop out a defensive end all the time. But sometimes that outside linebacker, if he's in that th- three-four, sometimes that outside linebacker is going to drop in coverage to a different zone than he would be covering now. So that's that's basically the only real difference between the two roles um at least the majority of the time you know if they're in an actual base three four versus a base four three then yeah the roles are somewhat different but but yeah for the most part they're the same and um yeah the biggest thing that i'm actually excited about is the fact that i'm not seeing you know we're not seeing at all three linebackers on the field hardly like ever and that's Um, just
0: that's just the way it Ought to be most of the time nowadays. That's just new football, yep. right? That's the bottom line. Yeah. It's, it's Unless you're Greg matchup. Williams, yes. It's personnel matchup. I mean, maybe not if you're facing, you know, two tight ends and two running backs. Then you go back to old school football. Oh yeah. But, but by and large, but how many
1: teams line up like that? Nobody, all the time? Nobody. None.
0: The Seahawks, yeah. right? Uh, it, it, <laughs> Even they don't. You have to acknowledge. Out of Eleven. You have to acknowledge where the game is, and you have to acknowledge where the game is going. And yes if what you would prefer to see is mid-70s Pittsburgh Steelers football, you're going to be really disappointed on a lot of Sundays. That's not the game anymore. And so, no, you don't have to establish the run or stop the run. You need to be able to run when you need to be able to run. That's the bottom line. You, you run to put games away. Mm-hmm. Your defense yep. needs to recognize that that's what teams are doing on offense is trying to pass. And so it's not that your run defense is an afterthought. It's that it is no longer primary. And that's just reality. And so you look at those personnel changes and you look at the, the formations that they're going to be out there in, and I feel pretty confident about most of that personnel. I think we all have a little bit of concern about the defensive tackle depth in particular. I'm curious about your observations on the – and we'll, you know, we'll move on. But I'm curious about your, your thoughts on the safety position because they've added a bunch of guys over the last couple of years Demarius Randall is the only one to me that is an obvious, really good player. I always liked Morgan Burnett. I don't know at this juncture who he is. I'm not sure exactly what he brings to this defense. Um, what, what'd you notice out of the safety position? I assume Randall will be that guy in that free safety spot this year. What else is going to happen?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that their safeties are very interchangeable the way that they were playing them. Like they would rotate, you know, they would spin down from too high to either side a lot. So Either safety is coming down, covering down near line, the line of scrimmage with the other guy spinning back to cover the deep middle of the field. So it's a lot of pretty pretty exotic coverage disguises, which was good to see uh, early on just because we didn't see a ton of that last year. And sometimes they got torched where the quarterback just knew what he was getting pre-snap, uh, especially the Oakland game. Yeah,
0: Williams has that sort of coaching arrogance, which says I'm going to run when I run, and I'm going to beat you man-to-man just head up. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's just line up
1: in something. You better have some players. Yeah. And he, he did, but you know, he liked using three linebackers in a passing league. You guys should see (laughs) Brendan's face right now. He's trying so hard not to just lambast this guy, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I, I just, um, I like the, I like how creative they're being with the personnel package. So, In situations where there's two tight ends on the field, so if the offense is running 12 personnel, for example, um, they're using a lot of big nickel. So that's instead of, you know, nickel package typically has three corners. So it's four defensive linemen, two linebackers, two safeties, three corners. So that's to match, obviously, a three receiver set. Big nickel has three safeties. So what they're doing is they're using Jermaine Whitehead, who is, I think he's going to be the starting strong safety. It it won't be Burnett. I think it'll be Whitehead who will play. When they have two safeties on the field, I think it'll be Randall and Whitehead. But whenever they go big nickel, they bring Burnett in and he plays strong safety. And then they bring Whitehead down and he plays big nickel. So this is a hybrid position. He can cover this. If there's three receivers on the field, he can cover that you know, that third receiver, if they want to match him against that guy, if they feel like they have a good matchup, he can match that second tight end. If you want to put, you know, Kirksey can play one of them or Schobert can play one of them. And then Whitehead's on the other side playing the other tight end. If the team has, if it's the Eagles and they've got Goddard and they've got Ertz, you can put again against Goddard and you can have Ertz play against Whitehead. And it's actually a decent physical matchup because if you put a corner on Ertz, he's just going to box him out all game yeah. long and play basketball and dominate. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough matchup. And, and with a linebacker, most guys can't run with him. So, um, so I really, I think it's cool. Um, And the, the other day in the media session, I know Whitehead said that uh, Buddha Baker played his position last year. And uh and then the year before that, it was Shaq Thompson. And I've mentioned this on this podcast before, but people would look at, Wilkes's numbers when he was in Carolina and they would say, Oh, this guy, he was running three linebackers all the time in Carolina. Shaq he's Thompson
0: old, was one of them, right?
1: Yeah. The All Pac twelve safety. safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a hybrid all all pack twelve safety. Yeah, he plays linebacker in the NFL at two thirty, but the guy runs what a four five or four six. I mean, he's he is not a true linebacker. I mean, it's not like they have Collins, Showert, and Kirksey out there. This is yeah, that was Keekley. Yeah, it was Keekley Thomas, and Sh- and Shaq Thompson. And that's, yeah. that's so, a
0: concept that, that, you know, going back to even the football sickness podcast days, Sen and I were talking about a lot, and you and I have certainly talked about a lot, which is that, as in basketball, for example, positions are becoming less and less defined and more and more hybridized, and there's more and more overlap between, like in basketball, the small forward and the power forward or the small forward and the shooting guard and the center and the, friggin point guard. Same deal in football. You better if you're a linebacker, you better be able to cover. Mm-hmm. You better be able to flip your hips and run. You yep. better you better be able to set an edge if you're an outside backer. Mm-hmm. And so right. and, and as a corner, you better be able to tackle somebody. Like these things are no longer mutually exclusive. You don't get to be a 1980s cornerback. You have to play football. You have to be an athlete who can do a bunch of things on the field. Otherwise, you're going to get exposed because the entirety of schematic offensive football to me is predicated upon, these days anyway, finding the mismatch or getting the one guy the ball, right? And you get the one guy the ball against whatever the most advantageous situation you get him the ball against. And so you got to be able to do everything. That's the game now. That's why years and years ago we were looking at guys like Mingo and thinking – this is where the game's going. These freako, hybridized athletes who can do a bunch of things. Now, Mingo didn't pan out the way you wanted him to, right? But that concept is irrefutable in football. It's happening. Everybody's doing it. George Kittle is a friggin' tight end, okay? George Kittle in 1988 is an all-pro wideout, period. <laughs> period. He might yeah. be right now. <laughs> right. The game has changed. And so you got to be able to recognize that. you got to be able to not only roll with it, but you got to be able to counter it and stay ahead of it. These are the Belichick lessons. Yep. You have to recognize that stuff. And yeah. I actually feel like the Browns are no longer behind the curve. They've got athletes. They've got coaches who, look, we'll see how it all comes together. We'll see whether Wilkes is indeed the guy that got hired as a head coach after a year as a defensive coordinator or whether he's the guy who got fired after a year as a head coach. Who the hell knows? We'll see whether Kitchens is that guy, right? But Mm -hmm. these are people who are all, and this is the part where I point to that office that might be empty half the time in Berea that says Paul D. Podesta outside. They're thinking the right way, and everybody's thinking on the same wavelengths, which is here's where football's going, here's how we get the best possible personnel in position to execute on things that we think can be successful in that paradigm. Let's go score some fucking touchdowns. And sure. we are so close to that Titans game, man. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing my right. 11-year-old son. We're going to stay at Casa de Leister. We're going to enjoy some, some kind of Ohio whatever. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we're going to have some fun. And we will roll mm-hmm. out there. What time do you think we can get to the general partying region on Sunday morning? It's an opener, man. We got
1: to be there early. I mean, I, it's, it doesn't matter to we're me. Fifteen man. I mean, minutes. You're, you're still going to be on West Coast time. We're. I'll be fine. We're fifteen yeah, we're minutes from the stadium from downtown. Yeah, Twenty-five minutes from downtown. All right. Twenty.
0: Yeah. Come check us out, people. There
1: will be yeah. there will be beers and sausages.
0: Um, last couple of things because we don't want to drag out and we want to have some things left over
1: for next week. Yeah. I didn't talk about all the schematic things you mentioned on defense, but that's okay. I mean, we'll get
0: there next we'll time. get There yeah. There are games coming and there are more practices coming and there are cuts coming yeah, it's and good as maybe it's personnel check listening. out early, right? Oh yeah. They're evaluating personnel more than they're trying to totally nail down scheme right now. So
1: they're installing the installing the system, teaching the fundamentals and the techniques and also... Like, you know, you, you have a culture within each position group, so it's also maintaining that culture with these guys, you know, still implementing that from the offseason. I mean, they're still building these relationships with the players. They're still getting to know each other. So building camaraderie within those position groups is important if you're going to have a really good team with a great culture. Good teams care about each other. Yeah.
0: Um, any good PFF shareable nuggets? Were there any like any of the guys they added over the offseason? Like the I'll, I'll tell you we haven't even talked really significantly about like Sheldon Richardson since they did it. Yeah. I I'm excited about Sheldon Richardson. I mean, we loved him before. Sheldon that Richardson's draft. a friggin' monster in my opinion. I
1: remember talking I remember when we talked about who the Chiefs should take in that draft. I remember texting you. I know my memory is kind of nuts with certain things. And I remember texting you and we were like Sheldon I think they Richardson. should take Sheldon Richardson, yeah. and you were like you felt the same way. We both agreed, and then they took the left tackle that was went to the say, Pro Bowl. So that Didn't we know.
0: thought Sheldon should be the number one overall pick in that draft.
1: Basically, we did. He went yeah. thirt, 14. That's outrageous yeah. to me. Thir- Thirteen. Yeah, because it was like him and Lota Lele uh, I went. I realize back. he's not
0: Fletcher Cox,
1: because Fletcher Cox is,
0: in my opinion, the best non Aaron Donald D tackle in the game. Yes, he but he's but Sheldon Richardson is as talented as those guys and in moments is as productive. And and as he grows up, we'll see how it, how it plays out. He turns it on and turns it off. Right. He's a typical defensive lineman. Most of them do. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. It's a it's a shit job, but somebody's got to do it. Sheldon Richardson is that guy. Yeah.
1: yeah, it might not be a shit job on that D line, though. Yeah, you might get a lot of one on one treats. He will. He will. It's a three technique. It's pretty hard to double that guy because you've got got him on the outside shade of the guard, and then right next to the guard is Vernon. Yeah, but who's the most dangerous? Garrett's the most dangerous guy. Garrett. He's going to get. Well, they're going to be next to each other. I mean, they're all going to move. They've been moving. That's another thing. That's another schematic thing. They're moving Vernon and Garrett, they're flipping those guys, which is really. I'm happy about that because they need to be comfortable rushing from both sides because you can take advantage of mismatches. Like if one week they decide, Oh, this guy struggles more with bull rushes. So maybe miles Garrett, they think has a better bull rush. So they're going to put him against that guy and let him just overpower him. Maybe if they think Vernon has the better, you know, whatever inside move or whatever move they think, you know, they can put him against that guy and let him eat. Even um, just
0: situationally it's, it's, you know, Somebody struggles with speed. Either one of those guys is going to be a problem for you. And if you put, and if you know you can, if you know you can create a situation by putting Sheldon Richardson in one spot or the other, and thereby creating a situation where the other guy will have no help. Mm-hmm. That's that's what, you, and that's why so many of us have been kind of hopeful about a Gerald McCoy or a Mike Daniels or something like that. Because one more guy would make this defensive line really. Sc- I mean, it's talented. One more guy
1: on the interior. Yep. Makes it super scary, and, yeah. and it would it's have just been with nice. Joby. I want him to take the next steps. Yeah, you know he was talented. He's dude. talented with flashes. Talented with flashes so far, yeah, but he had to play also. a lot too, right? I mean, he did. Yes, his yeah. first six games were really good, but then and, after that, then he
0: died was, because he played seventy-five like five snaps five. a game in the interior defensive line. Exactly, you can't do that to guys. They're not human beings. Are not built for that.
1: Even I will say though. A lot of the defensive linemen, like the defensive tackles that had similar amounts of snaps, though, they were like the Donalds and the Coxes. Like you look at the list of the most snaps. He's not that guy. All those guys had huge grades. They all were awesome. And then he was in there with like a 60 something, which is a very, you know, very average grade overall. So what I'm saying is he needs to make sure that he's in fantastic playing shape this year so that he can handle a big load of snaps and and maintain a consistent you know, a consistent course throughout the season where he's consistently dominating and right. uh, penetrating into the backfield and those things. You want to get I the most like,
0: return on your investment for
1: his snaps is basically the way He was, was very done. up and down last year. But but I do love the talent, and I love the what I've heard of the person and the player, you know. You know, he's not supposed to be Aaron Donald, right? He's not supposed to be Fletcher oh, Cox. Oh, for sure. He's a nose tackle. I mean, yeah. he is. He's a modern-day nose tackle. It's, it's not the Danny Shelton old-school type nose tackle. It's the... It's the nose tackle that's stout in the run game around 300 pounds, but he can also penetrate up the field. And, and yes, he's not, I'm saying,
0: him. I'm saying not positionally, I'm saying nobody expects Larry Ogunjobi. Oh yeah. To be Aaron Donald. Right. I mean, he was never expected to be that great. He was expected to oh. be a solid player at the position. And what okay. I think I heard you say basically is when he's not exhausted, he was a pretty solid player, um, mm-hmm. but it needs to be consistent. Like you're saying. And cool to the extent there will be plays where they've only got three defensive linemen out there. I don't know that he's going to be
1: one of them. So. Right. Um, and I think there will be a lot of scenarios on pass downs where they take him out and put in Avery and then move Garrett in over a guard or the center.
0: Have fun with the, that guards and centers. And the quarterback dies. <laughs> that's what we're looking for. See, I think I won't say it's been paid short shrift, but the defense gets overlooked because of everything that's on offense. I'll be honest with you. As excited as I am about Baker Mayfield and OBJ and the offense, you know that I've been hashtagging and, uh, dude, the face eating defense is a thing of it, deep conviction in my heart. You can mm-hmm. win all kinds of football games scoring very few points if your defense is good enough. We've seen it in Baltimore. We've seen it in Seattle. You saw it in Chicago last year. Although. Let's just do both. I agree. Score a lot of points,
1: give up very little points.
0: Let's do it. Yes, this is a plan I'm on board with. And actually, they're built to do it. And they're built to do it for a short window. And I know a lot of you out there are panicking about, oh, my God, are we going to be able to re-sign Randall? Or or are we going to lose one of the linebackers? Are we going to have to let New Joku go? Tough shit. You now follow an organization that has talent. You're going to lose some of them if you win any games. If you win a lot of games, you're going to lose some important ones. That's how this goes. Suck it up and enjoy the winning. Last thoughts before we go. Um, you're going to be out there again next week, and, of course, there will be... It's and tomorrow. Almost, it, it's a, and tomorrow. I keep forgetting this, they they were off today. They're back out at it again tomorrow. Cuts are coming, um, and then it will start to cement who's really going to make it and who's not. Are there... You know, one or two guys that you think are the ones that we ought to be paying attention to, kind of in a in a bubble situation. Because look, there are position groups where they are more talented than others, and so it becomes a more difficult proposition to sort of handicap who makes the team. Running back, for example, like you said, you don't expect Duke to be on the team. I I see every reason why you would be right about that, and yet I don't have any idea if they will be able to get what they think is what they need to get to trade him or whatever. Um, right. Who are the guys that you're kind of honed in on that you'd like to see make the team, but you think might have a, either an uphill climb or it's going to be a really close call? It's a
1: good question. To start off, I, I will say Austin Seibert. <laughs> yeah, for, to start off, I'll say Austin Seibert, the freaking fifth round kicker that um, missed a 51-yard field goal the other day at the end of practice by five yards. Wasn't close. Certainly not what you'd hope for. Yeah. You hate to see it, but yes, I will start off by saying him. I mean, that, that is not a good thing when, when the kicking battle is just, I mean, it doesn't look like either one of those guys is going to, you know, take the job and run with it and be reliable. And and that would really suck for this team to miss the playoffs. They will have a game
0: that comes down to a kicker for sure. At least
1: one. Yeah. Yeah, they will. And that could cost You you
0: the division. For sure.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, other players. Oh, Seth DeValve. He's definitely on the bubble. I fully I ac- expect him gone. Do you disagree? Well, the issue with that is the rest of the group because they don't have a lot aside from him. So Farrow Brown, I don't know what they see in that guy, but watch, like watch him track a football and try to catch it. He's just a big, awkward. He's a tackle. Kind of like clumsy looking at like not really I'm not even gonna call him an athlete, but just a clumsy looking body, I should say. No, 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 just all I'm saying is the way that he moves around. That's that's all. Um
0: in a game like football, yes. no big
1: deal. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's an athlete. It's just Hell the of way a football he, player, can't move for shit. <laughs> just does not look comfortable like tracking the ball, catching the ball, those types of things which is a very bad thing for a tight end. Obviously yeah. um, Steven Carlson is the undrafted rookie tight end who uh, I'm kind of intrigued by him. Um, I saw him getting some extra work in after practice, which is something that not everybody does, but he's been running with the third team and I think he's, he's done some good things. You know, he's had some touchdowns down in the red zone and made some catches. Um, some of the questions with the obviously are just injury history and also, he just really struggles to extend outside his frame and catch the ball. He's just, he's a lot more comfortable catching the ball around his body and that doesn't really bode well for, you know, an NFL tight end. And although I liked him early in his career, I just, I'm not as, um, not as high on him anymore. He he is getting reps at fullback too. So I think that, you know, he might be con- competing with Orson Charles for that position, but I think it's pretty clear that Orson Charles, I mean, that guy's a leader in the locker room and he's, uh, yeah, you know, he's a he's a solid fullback. He he knows he knows the role and he's pretty good at blocking as you know. So oh, and
0: there's versatility there, right? He's played some tight end. He's played some fullback. He, he understands multiple positions. He is effective in, enough as a receiver out of both spots to be at least a, a viable option. Right. Yeah. And so so like you say, professional guy seems like a super great locker room guy. That's the guy that Baker yeah. had that guy's a maniac you know?
1: Yeah. yeah he, uh, lunatic, well, he, this, I forget what it was. Well, the Chad Thomas thing the other day. So, ah, the, the bird. Yes. Goose. Yes. We know the thing. So, there. so Thomas, I think he threw a punch at Pharaoh Brown. They were going at it during the play. And when, uh, those, so those two guys start going at it and Orson Charles, when he sees this, cause I think he's like mentoring, you know, he's, he's bringing along Pharaoh Brown. I think that's his boy. So when he saw what was going on, I saw him run from like he was over on the sideline. He sprints in, gets up in Chad Thomas's face, and he's like up in the dude's face, like trying to chill him out. And Thomas just won't calm down. This goes on for like 20 seconds. Like it went it went on for a lot longer with just Charles up in up in his face than than you'd usually see in a in a situation like this. But that really stood out. Just Charles's leadership, you know, j- jumping in there trying to defend his guy. And then I saw after they ran the after they ran the what are they even called? Yeah, when yeah, they got know. done running when they got done running across the field, um Charles and yeah, gassers, right? I can't remember the last time we did gassers at Avon, so it's like <laughs> it's not in my brain at all. But yeah. Is Thomas even like the, the team? They were next to each other on the sideline. Thomas? Yeah. Oh, Chad Thomas, that's a good question. Uh, He's definitely on the bubble as well. They have a lot of defensive You never know because
0: it's it's Dorsey's guy or whatever, but you never know. Heismuth's guy, I guess. Yeah, well, right. What (laughs) about, all right, last question. What about backup quarterback? I know we ought not or hope not to ever have to think about it, but if your quarterback gets hurt, which does happen in the NFL from (laughs) time to time, you would like a promising team not to go to shit. Like, say, if you were the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz got hurt and Nick Foles led you to a friggin' Super Bowl. Drew Stanton or Garrett Gilbert leading us there? I think, um... There is a lot of unwillingness to make that comment (laughs) on that face that I'm looking at right now. I mean,
1: that's a a pretty (laughs) massive prediction. It's a lot to ask. Yeah, I think... Definitely, based on practice, the guy that made more impro- impressive throws has been Garrett Gilbert. He's made more impressive, you know, reads and throws. Uh, Stanton's been much, much more of the check down master, and he he threw a pick six, which Stanton would be a may or may not. Have been. Yeah, Stanton. Uh, when he threw, he threw a pick six the other day to Eric Murray, but I couldn't tell if that was on the receiver or not. Cause he might've expected the receiver to bend the route in front of the safety. So that might've been what led to that interception. But I've, I've felt that Gilbert he's made when I was there, he was, he made at least like one throw down the field a day where it was like, Oh wow, that's, that's an impressive throw, you know? So he has a good arm. He can fit it into traffic, fit it into tight spots and, um, yeah, I mean he has a good rapport with like Blake Jackson and practice, um, but I mean it's really hard to predict like a guy that can take them to the Super Bowl. I mean that's that's a lot to ask, but I would definitely say well, he didn't if take they were going ex- to do the Super Bowl, it's can he not gum up the works enough to keep them in the yeah. hunt? Yeah, right. If you're gonna try to catch lightning in the bottle, you know, like I'm not gonna say Kurt Warner because that's a rare type no, thing. Think about it this way. I'm saying you think you've got a 10 to 13 win team. You think
0: you're a competitive, everything breaks, right? I got a shot to win a Super Bowl
1: kind of team. Yeah.
0: Who's the guy you want to be your backup quarterback just in case.
1: Yeah. I think they're going to say Drew Stanton just because his record. I mean, he he does have like a, what a 10 and six record as a starter or something like that. He, at least he knows what to do on the field. He's not going to make mental errors. They'll be able to run the entire offense with him. Um, but if you're a team that really needs your quarterback to like make plays for you and not just be a complete game manager where you're just hoping that you, uh, get to punt it instead of throwing the interception, then I think it's, you know, if you need that guy to be like a big time playmaker, then I guess Gilbert is the guy. And you just hope that well, he can push the ball Which one do you ball, think of Nick Foles ass? I would say Gilbert. I mean, that's the way that Foles played. He was chucking the ball up to Alshon Jeffrey. But he has he enough game
0: like, manager to make that
1: tolerable, right? I mean... Well, when Foles was playing... I think when Foles was playing the game manager role, when you watch that watch that run that they had, he the team struggled. I mean, he was... Because he was trying to check the ball down. He's trying to be conservative. He was trying to be Carson Wentz. Because back then, Carson Wentz, a lot of times, he was throwing the ball short. If you look at his yards per attempt and all that... Whenever he finally was like, I'm Nick Foles, I'm going to push the ball down the field. That was when it really opened up the offense and they put up whatever it was, 40 some points on the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I think.
0: All right. Well, you've told us that the offense is going to be designed to push the ball down the field.
1: Right. So I think you hope that you would you cut that spot?
0: Let's assume you're not cutting. I'm not. cutting. No, 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 no. Let's assume you're keeping two quarterbacks.
1: I'm not giving you the option. I'm cutting Garrett Gilbert if I have to keep one. That's what I'm, I'm asking. I'm keeping Stan. He's a freaking coach. Why isn't he a freaking coach? He was the other day. He didn't practice. Uh-huh. Aha! <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't think they really want him on the field. But I hear what you're saying. You gotta, you gotta live with reality. I think they're gonna
1: keep three. They're definitely gonna keep three. I don't think so Gilbert. That,
0: well, practice. so that's another question.
1: Gilbert's talented um, and also enough to keep. His question after the preseason. That's another thing. Yeah. Like that's. I want to see these guys in a game, especially Gilbert, because he is intriguing. He has a strong arm.
0: Yeah, that was sort of the question. Is Gilbert talented enough that you would Yeah. Risk, he does have- you know what I mean? That you would risk cutting the safe guy because he's that talented. That's
1: that's sort of what I was asking. Yeah, they're not gonna cut Stan. It's it's fun. I'll also say this it's fun watching Ryan Lindley coach. Yeah. I, I notice him a lot, like coaching up uh Mayfield. Man, he looks old. You know, he was just in the NFL like six years ago. He's not Always.
0: old, you dick.
1: <laughs> he looks so old. because He's a of the big gray. dude. He looks like he has a beer belly, and he's got a huge-ass beard. I know I've got a big beard. He's got a bigger beard. That, that guy looks like he's 48 years old. Just know
0: that I'm getting under there. The very first touchdown, you're getting touchdown tickles, just like Freddie and Baker, dude. That's happening. Just know that that is non-negotiable, and I will – happily impose my physical will on you to make that happen.
1: I'll do the wang flop. There you go.
0: The I would, As long as it's uh PG, that's fine. <laughs>
1: Is Excellent. the wang flop ever PG?
0: First of all, I like to think of that as the ball flop. I don't know if it was the wang. Either way, you're dropping. Um, Forearm. Good stuff. All right, man. Well, that'll do it for this one. Um, we'll be back in a week or so, and we'll we'll catch up again on... Further observations, and uh, we'll have a maybe we'll have a a preseason game under the books or under the belt, as it were, in the books. Oh, yeah, we have to discuss that. uh, Well, only for a brief moment. And either way, we are but a month and a week, five weeks, my friend. Five weeks. My son will be attending his first game in Cleveland. In Cleveland. He's been to a Browns game, a rousing victory in Denver.
1: Has he been to Cleveland? Never. Nope.
0: Sweet. Yeah, I've only been a couple times since he was born. Uh, he, yeah, I've been a couple times since he was born. I was born. I was there maybe a a month and a half I was born. I was there maybe a month and a half before he was born for the season opener opener in two thousand seven, which was an absolute. It was against the Steelers. It was when they traded. The they traded Charlie Pry. Exactly right. And it was a, it was the only home loss that year. They went seven and one at home. And that was the only game they lost. My dad, my dad and I flew out there, went, went to Wadsworth, went and saw his childhood home, did all that. It was a good trip. We're gonna do that with my kid. It's gonna be fun. All right, brother. Good talking to you. We'll catch up again in a week.
1: Yep. Sounds good, man. Peace.
0: All right. That's it for this week. We'll be back probably after the first preseason game. Maybe we'll squeeze in a special edition in between now and then. But assuming not, we'll see you in about a week and a half after the first preseason game. Until then, of course, let's everybody stay healthy, take care of each other. Go Browns. And, of course, we leave you with WOOF.